Yo, this is David back again with another episode of the Blood and Fire Radio Podcast. This is episode number 129. Uh, yeah, I still, I'm not quite sure. I'm kicking around a couple of ideas for my theme I want to do for episode 130, uh, but I haven't really fully decided yet, but I am looking forward to it. This one, 129, has a really good mix of stuff. Um... And I'm pretty proud of this lineup that I put together for this one. So yes, let's see here. Uh, by the time the next one comes out, it will have already been Halloween. So happy Halloween. Enjoy that. I'll be enjoying that with my son. He, uh, he attends karate classes and stuff, and they have a big trunk or treat thing that they'll be doing. So I'm going to have my car decked out to look like a zombie because I, I participate in all that stuff these days. <laughs> all these parent things, these little functions, I'm a part of them now. So, Alright, let's jump right in here. This is a band from the USA that was originally from Pennsylvania, ended up moving to Ohio. Uh, they've been going since 87, uh, but they only have one original member left. That band is Nunslaughter. And that's a band that, I mean, I took a long time to, to check out, not because I was put off by the name or anything like that. It was just, I thought that they were more of a, um, like a punk band. Like, I knew they had metal tendencies to them, but I thought it was more, you know, punk-oriented, which it kind of is. Um, but, yeah, they're definitely a, a, a filthier, more metal band um, than I first thought, so... Um, I was late to the party, but I do like their stuff. Uh, they've put out a million releases of just singles and splits and EPs and little, just short little things like that, compilations. But they do have five uh, full-length albums that came out in um, like 2000, 2003, 2007, 2014, and I think their most recent one just came out uh, last year, actually, in 2021. Um, I'm going to play a tune that actually originally appeared way earlier in their career. I'm not sure if it was on a demo or just one of the 50 releases that they have uh, from way back in the day. But yeah, it appeared on something like that, like a demo, but then they re-recorded it for this uh, full length. And the album's called Angelic Dread, came out in June of 2014 through Hell's Headbangers Records. And that was their, uh, their fourth album out of five. As I said, their fifth one just came out last year. But um, I just thought this was a really cool song stood out to me as just being a little more memorable and um, I actually didn't know at the time that this was an older song uh, whenever I was kind of doing some research for my notes for the episode I happened to come across this same tune on a much much earlier release so um, thought that was kind of cool that it turned out to be an old song that they re-recorded for the album but it's a good one so here we go off of 2014's Angelic Dread this is Nunslaughter with Midnight Mass Midnight mass Great job, be 
All right, there we go. That was Nun Slaughter from Ohio with Midnight Mass. Short and sweet. They got that D-beat kind of punkish vibe going on, but it's still pretty filthy extreme metal there. Um, yeah, I'm hoping my voice holds up for this entire episode. It's kind of... I typically don't deal with any allergies in the fall, just kind of in the spring, but uh, something has blown in that's affected, like, everybody down here this past week uh, in Texas, and my son included. He had the croaky croaky voice going, and so did his school teacher, and so did uh, half the people I <laughs> spoke with this past week. So we're all kind of dealing with it uh but hopefully it'll calm down. I don't know. But yeah, hopefully my voice holds up and I'm not uh, sounding rough as the episode goes on. All right. This next one is a bit of a gamble for me because it's a longer song, and I know that's a bit of a gamble to just throw that at you with second song of the episode, but uh, I think you'll agree that it's worth it. This is a one-man band that's been going since 2012 from Slovenia. It's the same guy who also does the one-man band uh, Moss Giver, who I really enjoy. Um, but it begs the question of why does he have two projects that sound really, really similar to one another? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me for him to have two one-man projects that, you know, to me, sound almost interchangeable. But this band... It's called Veldes, V-E-L-D-E-S. Um, I've seen it changed to a U at the beginning instead of a V. Or I can, maybe it started with a U and then he changed it to a V. I'm not sure, but um, the band kind of exists with those two variations of the name. But I think the one with the V is the current form. I could be wrong. But um, yeah, this dude's put out five albums. He's only done the one, maybe two at this point, records with Moss Giver. Uh, I think he's done two now. But... Um, He's, done, he's up to five now with uh, with Veldis. And I'm going to play something off of their fourth album out of five called Flameless that came out in January of 2019. And that was uh, released independently. And um, all I've heard is this fourth album and the fifth album, the most recent one. And they're great. Um, you know, I, like I said, I'm a big fan of his other project, Moss Giver. And uh, the songs are long, but they're beautiful. I mean, they're just really well put together. And um, they're just really epic pieces of kind of uh, nature-inspired, kind of folkish black metal. Um, but it's just done really well. So it's a long song. I know that's a gamble. So just, you know, stick it out. I think you will, you'll agree that it was worth it. So here we go. Off of their album from 2019, Flameless. This is Veldes with Keeper of the Flameless.
There we have it. That was Veldes from Slovenia with Keeper of the Flameless. A little more stuff going on uh, keyboard-wise with this project than there is with Moss Giver, but otherwise the music is very on par with one another. Uh, all right, we're jumping back to the USA here out of uh, Indianapolis. Five-piece band that's been going since 2019, and they are some good friends of ours, uh, us and Krigsgrove. They're label mates and uh, just good dudes and a great band. I mean, truly, you know, you tend to support bands that are on the same label as you just regardless because you're kind of on the same team, so to speak. Uh, but we are legitimately uh, big fans of these guys. They they put out some great stuff. Um, the band is Mother of Graves, and they put out an EP in 2021 that was excellent. And uh, the debut full length just came out on uh, October 14th of this year, so it's very fresh, and it's really good. It's gotten some good reviews as well, and some good press. Um, the the label's done a good job of really getting it out there. Uh, the new album's called "Where the Shadows Adorn," and that is through Wise Blood Records, which is the same label that uh, Krigsgrove is on. And yeah, we're we're really happy for these dudes because uh, they put a lot of work into it, and it shows um, they've been real supportive of us. And uh, we definitely are, are supportive of them. The music is outstanding. Uh, love the dude's vocals. And uh, the songs here are just a definite step up. I mean, the EP was excellent. And this is just taking it to the next level. So it kind of uh, inspires us and gets us ready to go when it comes to, uh, to finalizing and recording our uh, next album, which is going to be happening uh, in the beginning of the year. So we're inspired now. So here we go, off of the new album, Where the Shadows Adorn, this is Mother of Graves with Of Solitude and Stone.
right, there we go. That was Mother of Graves from Indianapolis, and um, that record is so good, and it's out there. So uh, Wise Blood released it October 14th, so uh, go ahead and check out the rest of that album because it's really good. Excellent slab of melodic doom. Uh, all right, we're going to Stockholm, Sweden here. This is a band that's been going since 89 and is technically still active. I mean, in the sense that it hasn't been put to rest or anything, but um, active is uh, definitely not how I would describe them. <laughs> the band is Abruptum, and um, I've kind of gone on record with some of my friends in saying that I am not a fan of Abruptum. Um, you know, the... They kind of got a lot of uh, notoriety because Euronymous from Mayhem um, heard their, you know, demos and such and said that it was just the epitome of darkness and evil, that it was just the most evil, crazy music he had ever heard. And um, to me, it just, <laughs> it sounds like uh, some of this stuff just sounds like, you know, people moaning and screaming while banging against the top of a trash can lid or something like that. It's just a bunch of uh, noise, uh, in, and that makes me sound like an old man, but uh, truly, there's a lot of material in their discography that I'm just like, what the hell is, this isn't even pleasant to listen to in the slightest, <laughs> like, I can't just put this on and listen to it. But, um, some of their older stuff, their demo days, before they really got more bizarre and avant-garde and everything, uh, it was always weird, but it was definitely more structured and more palatable on their really early stuff. So I did uh, come across some things that I that I liked of theirs from the demos. I'm actually going to play something that was originally on their Orchestra of Dark demo from 1991. They, they did three demos, um, and then over the course of their career, it's been four EPs and five full lengths. But of course, the only member uh, still around is... Uh, Evil, that's the stage name, Evil, which is actually Morgan from uh, Marduk. And uh, It, the other member who's been there all along, is deceased. I actually thought he was always the vocalist, but um, apparently in the early days there was another vocalist whose stage name was All, A-L-L. Um, yeah, that was news to me, so the person singing on this track is actually that original singer. But um, yeah, it's still bizarre really low guttural kind of vocals um but it's just really dark and really just strange but uh it's definitely more palatable to me than some of the full lengths that came out later on so um you can also hear this track on there's a compilation from 1995 called evil genius uh it appears on there as well but it originally appeared on this uh, orchestra of dark demo so here we go off of their 1991 demo this is abruptum with corpus in Astraheri. Aben Siri. <laughs> Probably way off. I don't do Latin at all, so uh, correct me. Correct me there.
There we go. Did you like how when I was announcing the song that I clearly uh, started off confident and then realized halfway through that I don't know how to pronounce this? I just kind of trailed off. Um, yeah, I had to kind of look it up because I do not do Latin. So that was Abruptum with Corpus in Astraher Abancheri is how they pronounced it on, on the internet, which uh, you can always trust that, right? So uh, yeah, that was off of their Orchestra of Dark demo and... Um, I don't know. I actually thought that was pretty cool. Um, and I'm, you know, it takes a lot for me to praise this band. I've always been pre- kind of vocal about thinking that it's just unlistenable nonsense, but I actually do enjoy that. Um, all right, we're going to Gothenburg, Sweden here. This band has been going since 1990. Uh, the singer was the original singer for Dark Tranquility. And uh, the singer for Dark Tranquility sang on the first In Flames album. So. The band is in flames, and they have had a roller coaster ride of a discography. Uh, the debut to me was good, but not great. Then they had a, a string there of three or four really strong, solid melodic death metal albums that really uh, solidified that Gothenburg sound, you know, along with Dark Tranquility and At the Gates, among others. But, um, yeah, they really got trendy there in the 2000s, and um, by the time they. I can't even remember what it was called. Something involving Underground came out in like 2004, and it sucked. It sounded like a a Korn album. Um, They really fell off and lost their way, and they've had a ton of lineup changes and stuff over the years, and now I swear there's maybe two guys in the band from Sweden, and the rest are just, you know, uh, just people that they just plug in to fill these gaps in the lineup. But they got Chris Broderick uh, on lead guitar right now, who of course used to be in Megadeth and uh, Jag Panzer. I loved him in Jag Panzer, but with Megadeth, his solos were so technically impressive, but they were not memorable at all, which is weird because the solos he would write for Jag Panzer were super memorable. They were great. Uh, so I really had high hopes for him in Megadeth and it just didn't pan out. But yeah, it's exciting to have him uh, be a part of In Flames. Because uh, he can bring a lot to the table. He's super talented. Um, but they've put out, I think, three singles now at this point from their upcoming album. And they're good. They're surprisingly good. Um, I think if it had a more stripped-down production, it would be even better. Because it's very polished and modern, you know, sleek-sounding. Um, which is to be expected. I mean, that's what they've done for the last several albums anyways. But um, I'd say this is the best they've sounded since... Clayman. Clayman wasn't outstanding, but it was still like there was still some sense of their old selves in there, you know what I mean? But they were clearly kind of transitioning to a different sound. Uh, but I'd say this, these singles at least um, are, are pretty promising. Uh, the album is called Forgone, and that's going to be coming out on February 10th. Um, it's going to be their 14th or 15th album, I think, but it's coming out through Nuclear Blast. So it's pretty early for them to have already released three singles, considering the album's not coming out for another four months. Um, so I can't imagine they would release any more, maybe one more, who knows. But uh, but yeah, they're out there on Spotify, give them a listen, because it's definitely uh, reminded me of the old days uh, when it comes to them. So here we go, off of the upcoming album Forgone, this is In Flames with The Great Deceiver. <laughs>
there we go. That was In Flames from Gothenburg with The Great Deceiver. Yeah, I mean, it's not as good as the old stuff, the Jester Race and Colony albums and stuff like that, but maybe the bar has been set so low <laughs> that now when they have uh, a few tasty riffs in there that uh, people are kind of losing it over how great the new In Flames stuff is sounding, but... I enjoyed it. Um, like I said, I wish the production was a bit better, but uh, like a bit rougher, I should say, instead of being so modern and sleek and perfect. Um, but there's some really good riffs in there. Uh, all right, we are jumping to Belgium here. This band's been going since 2017. Four-piece black metal band called Serpent Antique. And I know very little about them, but um, I just came across them. God, I don't even... Remember, I think it was a Spotify. I know I sound like a broken record here, but I think it was another Spotify kind of uh, related artist type thing, whoever I was listening to, and and they were there at the bottom of, you know, other artists you may like, and I had not heard them, and uh, checked it out and really enjoyed it. And they just kind of play a pretty stripped down, raw but not too raw style of kind of melodic black metal, and they just do it well. Um... Not something I would probably throw on and listen to really intently. It would just be if I'm in the mood for some good black metal while I'm, you know, cleaning the apartment or something, <laughs> put them on. But um, but they haven't released a, a full-length record yet. They just released their self-titled debut EP on uh, October 7th of, uh, of this year. So it's just been a few short weeks here. That was released through Transcendence Records. And it's pretty good. Um... You can find their stuff on Bandcamp as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's short and sweet, but it is good. Um, I have no idea it, when they're planning on doing a full length, but uh, as I said, this EP just came out, so best to uh, just enjoy this for a while. So here we go off of their self-titled debut EP. This is Serpent Antique with La Mue. <laughs>
there we have it. That was Serpent Antique from Belgium with La Mue, which is French. Um, that I can pronounce. <laughs> That's a nice, short, and sweet, easy one. All right, we're going to Norway here. This band existed from 91 to 2018 in one form or another. Some pretty big gaps in between. The band is Burzum, and I don't really need to explain... <laughs> who Burzum is, or the backstory there. I think anybody who listens to this uh, program probably is already well aware of who Burzum is. So, um, I've played something in the past off of a, uh, a compilation that he did in 2011 um, of re-recordings that was critically didn't do well because people didn't want to hear it re-recorded. They liked the originals already. But I am, being the contrarian that I am, Never loved his vocals back in the day. His real shrieky vocals uh, from his early stuff in the, in the early 90s there. So ha the fact that he re-recorded these songs with just slightly more consistent production. It still is not like clear modern production or anything like that. It still had a nice underground feel to it, but it was just more consistent. And um, hearing those songs kind of played a little tighter, with a slightly better production... But it was the vocals that made me love that compilation because his his voice, since getting out of prison and stuff like that, he doesn't do the shrieky stuff anymore. I don't think he can. So his style uh, nowadays is more of a just raspy exhale. <laughs> like it doesn't sound like there's much force behind it. It's very breathy, and but um, but it's much more palatable to my to my ears. It's much softer on the ears for me. Um, so yeah, I really enjoy that, uh, that album of re-recordings, but on this particular song that I'm about to play, it's from his older stuff in the nineties, but his vocals are actually kind of more tolerable on this song. But this is probably, this might be my favorite Burzum song just because of the atmosphere of it. Um, I, it's, it really laid the groundwork for a lot of bands that, that followed, um, with this kind of depressive super dark, you know, atmospheric black metal more so than the uh, more aggressive style that was uh, coming from some other bands in Norway there at the time. So uh, this song, it comes off of the debut album, the self-titled album that came out in March of 92. Of course, there were three uh, demos prior to that, but uh, this debut was released through Euronymous uh, record label, Death Like Silence. And yeah, it's a classic, and it's a classic for a reason. So here we go. This is probably my favorite Burzum tune ever. This is Burzum with Spell of Destruction. <laughs>
Right. That's Burzum from Bergen. As of 2018, he said that he's just kind of done. He had only released a few um, kind of... Uh, what the hell's the word I'm looking for? Like synth-based uh, atmospheric albums towards the end there. He had been kind of done with uh, the metal side of things anyways. So yeah, he officially put uh, Burzum to rest in 2018. All right, we're jumping to Germany here. This is a four-piece band that's been going since 2015, and they are very dark, and it's just really well done. This is a band that I uh, am really been enjoying a lot lately. The band is Morast, at least that's how I pronounce it, M-O-R-A-S-T. Morast, Morast. Um... But yeah, they've got a couple of full lengths from 2017 and 2019 that are both excellent. And there's an EP that I actually did not know about. That um, came out in May of 2021, so that's actually what I'm going to play something off of that. Um, it's called the Palingenesis EP, and that came out through Toten Music. And it's really good. The production's perfect for it as well, because it's just thick but it is not too polished and uh, the vocals are excellent but the mood overall of this EP is uh, is really good They're, it's they sound similar to a few other bands but I can't think of who they, the bands would be you know what I mean like I'm listening to this and I'm like I've heard bands that are doing something like this but I can't think of who they remind me of but um, but yeah like I said the full lengths are great and this EP kinda passed me by but I've been uh, back on it here listening to it uh, recently and really really liking it so here we go off of the palingenesis ep this is morast with augmentation of time
There we go. How good was that? That was Morast with Augmentation of Time. Outstanding stuff. Um, yeah, if you haven't heard them before, go check out the full-length albums as well, because they're really good. All right, back to the USA here, out of New York, my home state. This band has been going since 1980. That is Manowar, and you might roll your eyes at the very mentioning of Manowar because of the sheer amount of cheese in their music and lyrics, but it has to be said that those first three or four albums were outstanding, and they were hugely influential on a lot of bands. Of course, Manowar themselves were very influenced by uh, a band like Kiss. Uh, you can tell from their album covers as well. But um, Manowar... To me, this is something that I listened to Alan Averill from Primordial's podcast, and he was talking about uh, Man of War, and he insinuated that, you know, without Man of War, there is no Viking era of Bathory. So as many people that draw inspiration from Bathory, from that era especially, bands like Enslaved, and, and even myself, honestly, but um, a lot of the the groundwork was laid by Manowar, and you can hear in this song especially that I'm about to play, you know, in a later Bathory album, you know, the Nordland records, I think it was the first Nordland album, the song Forever Dark Woods kind of follows the same tempo and same riff style and everything uh, as this. So yeah, I mean, there's old songs like Mountains, and um, oh, there's another one that slipped in my mind, but um, but yeah, some of these early Manowar albums sure they had some cheesy straightforward heavy metal songs and stuff but whenever they decided to kind of slow it down a little and go a little more epic i mean that stuff was very influential for bands that came after um but they actually re-released they re-recorded the debut battle hymns and the re-recording is just no good everything's tuned way down because he can't sing as high as he used to and all that stuff but just enjoy the original there uh, but they re-recorded Kings of Metal as well from 88, and I think that was a poor decision. But the albums in between there in the 80s, um, they just remixed and remastered, and they sound great. Um, they, it's just much more full, the low end it comes out more, the vocals sound nice and clear, um, and those I think sound great, and they're on Spotify now, they never used to be. So I've been listening to those to death lately, so I decided I should include it on uh, on an episode here, because it's just been top of mind for me lately so this one in particular this album to me sounds the best of the remixed and remastered ones so i'm going to play something off of hail to england which originally came out in 84 it's their third album out of 11 i believe they're up to now but that came out through music for nations and this uh is still kind of in their old kind of classic metal style it wasn't until probably fighting the world is when they first started to kind of transition into into cheesier territory, I would say, and then they were kind of fully there by the time Kings of Metal came out in 88. But yeah, they were still kind of in this real classic sound um, on this album, and uh, I love it. Into Glory Ride and Hail to England, that one-two punch right there um, are, to me, their best albums. So here we go, off of 1984's Hail to England, this is Man of War with the remixed and remastered Blood of My Enemies.
That was Man of War from New York with Blood of My Enemies. Yeah, that remixed, remastered, Hail to England and Into Glory Ride both sound phenomenal. Uh, so if you haven't checked it out, they are out there on Spotify. All right, we're going back to Belgium here. This is a four piece that's been going since 08. And I kind of forgot about them because. They feature uh, Lord Sabathan, or whatever his name was, the singer from um, Enthroned for many, many years, who had the really high, shrieky voice, which I loved. Um, I still like modern day, you know, uh, Enthroned with Norna Guest on vocals, but uh, I have a soft spot for the old stuff and the old singer. And I forgot that he um, he doesn't really do much musically anymore, but he is in this band, and... It's a thrash band for the most part, but it's just kind of has raspy, nasty vocals. But I don't like his voice as much in this band. Um, I like it when he's going just full on, you know, black metal voice, but he's trying to do kind of a hybrid kind of black metal voice and kind of a shouty, thrashy voice at the same time. But the music's great. Um, the song titles are cool. The cover art's cool. The band is Slaughter Messiah. And um, yeah, it's just one of those things that I knew he had left enthroned but was still doing this band and that's about as far as it went for me I never really looked into them much um, and I kind of stumbled back upon them by accident I don't even remember how but it was one of those things where the name sounded familiar and I just checked it out and it just kinda clicked with me I was like oh yeah this is the the one with the guy the, the, the band with the guy um, but they released their debut album in, uh, in February of 2020 called Cursed to the Pyre. They did three EPs prior to that, but uh, this came out through High Roller Records, which was surprising to me. High Roller Records, to me at least, is more well-known for releasing stuff that's more retro-sounding. Bands like Lucifer and 
in solitude and stuff like that that kind of has like a 70s vibe to it so the fact that they put out this like evil black and thrash you know album is a bit weird to me but um it's a good label so that's good for them um so yes not much else to be said here it's just kind of some good speedy black and thrash with a familiar voice so here we go off of the debut album curse to the pyre this is slaughter messiah with descending to the black fire
you go. That's the sound of the black fire right there. That was Slaughter Messiah from Belgium with Descending to the Black Fire. Um, yeah, it's pretty great. Like, his voice sounds a little weird to me compared to how it did back in the enthroned days, but it's still just kind of good to hear him still doing stuff. <laughs> Alright, this next one is a one-man band from France that's been going since 2004. He's had uh, some guest drummers. Um... I should have looked up how to say this album title, but it's in French. So the band is Drastus, D-R-A-S-T-U-S. And uh, yeah, like I said, it's a one-man band. Um, put out an album in 2005, like right after forming, and then nothing for a very long time. And then the new album, the second album, uh, came out in March of 2019. I'm not going to pronounce it because it's in French. And uh, it came out through Norma Evangelium Diaboli Records. And this album actually featured Kevin Paradis on drums, who is the um, French drummer for Benighted, and he's done all sorts of, uh, of guest you know, session work, and he's phenomenal. If you've never seen any of his videos on YouTube, um, he's ridiculous. He's ridiculously fast, and his endurance is insane. I heard him do a cover of, uh, what the hell is that song? A Mayhem song off of Esoteric Warfare. Was it called Watchers or something like that? I think it was one that they had a music video for. But really fast double bass in that song. And he played it at like 10 BPM faster than the album track. Like he sped up the track and then did a cover of it. And it was just ridiculous, ridiculously fast. Um, but anyways, he's not really just going apeshit on the drums with this band. He's not just going berserk speed-wise. This band is really... Hard to classify, but I would say it's kind of a more technical, melodic black metal. Like, it's still very much rooted in black metal, but uh, the, there's some odd, like, kind of time signatures and things going on. Uh, so it's a little little avant-garde, a little different, but it's, uh, it's kind of technical, but not, you know, so much so that you can't follow what's going on. But uh, throughout it all is a very uh, dark atmosphere through all of it. So the drumming is only fast when it needs to be, and he just kind of does a good job of drumming for the music. He's not uh, trying to do too much or show off or anything like that. But it's a cool record. Um, I, I really should look up, I probably will while the song's playing, I'll look up how to say this album title just so I can give you a, a clue as to what album it is. But here we go, off of their second album from 2019. This is Drastus with The Crown of Death.
Alright. There we go. That was Drastus from France with The Crown of Death off of their album La Croix du Song, which means The Blood Cross. So yeah, I had to look it up just to make sure I was saying it properly. Um, one of these days I'll get better at French. I don't know. No, I won't. What am I saying? Anyways, we're moving on here to Switzerland. There's only so many options when you're going to Switzerland here. I think you know where I'm going. This band existed from 84 to 93 and then uh, got rolling again in 2001 and finally stopped in 2008 before it kind of morphed into Trypticon. That band is Celtic Frost and uh, of course they were hugely influential um, with, you know, Morbid Tales and Tomegatherion. And I've played stuff off of both of those releases um, in the past. But I decided to play something now off of uh, the second full-length album, which was Into the Pandemonium. Came out in 87 through Noise Records. And this one I have a love-hate relationship with because there are some really cringeworthy bad moments on this album that I think just suck. And there's some good songs on here as well. And I remember just kind of being duped because I didn't know much about them at the time. I knew how influential they were to a lot of black metal bands and stuff like that. And I just was expecting something. I don't know what I was expecting. But I got this album just kind of on a whim um, when I was in high school. And I just did not like it. <laughs> I, try, I tried. There were some cool moments. But um, I just thought his vocals were barely considered to be singing um and just the that mexican radio cover i did not enjoy at all and yeah there was just a lot about this that i was like just not into and uh and then after that is when i heard to megatherion and morbid tales and stuff like that and hell even vanity nemesis i enjoy better than this because cold lake of course was shit everybody knows that but vanity nemesis truly is a good record like the production is a little too clear um i think if you take the songs from vanity nemesis and had it with the production of to megatherion it would be a, a classic album um but yeah i think by the time vanity nemesis came out that people were kind of over them by that point but yeah it's worth a re-listen but yes this album has of course grown on me over the years I can recognize, you know, the importance of it and uh, the fact that the good songs on this album are quite good. And um, I'm going to play one that is definitely my favorite off of the album. So here we go off of the 1987 record Into the Pandemonium. This is Celtic Frost with Inner Sanctum. <laughs>
There we go. That's Celtic Frost from Switzerland with Inner Sanctum. Definitely one of the shining moments on that album. Um, my voice is hanging on for dear life. I'm drinking Gatorade in between uh, songs and my mouth still just feels so dry. <laughs> so I'm trying my best. Just a couple more. Hang in there. All right. We're jumping to the USA again out of Florida. This band's been going since 2019. I've definitely played them uh, once before, something off of their debut from last year. That band is Hexorcist, and they just play some good old speedy, filthy, blackened thrash, and uh, they do it quite well. And uh, it's just crazy how that style has really uh, exploded into a lot of different bands from a lot of different countries. It doesn't seem to be isolated to one country or one region. It's kind of all over, which is cool because I do enjoy that subgenre. Uh, but yes, Hexorcist just released a, uh, a new split with a band. What band is it? Putrid, I think, is the band. Um, but it's called Profane Coronation. It just came out on October 14th through Gods of War Productions. So it's very new. I actually got um duped a little bit the way it was the way i saw it it looked like it was a new album from hexorcist so i was just like oh sweet they already got a new full length out and i checked it out and there's only like two songs from putrid and two songs from hexorcist and i was like damn it got fooled by the split but honestly both sides of the split are really good i'm not even that familiar with putrid at all but i liked their half and the two uh, songs here from hexorcist were great as well so i'm gonna play uh what would be the first of the two songs from Hexorcist on their side of the split. So here we go, off of the new Profane Coronation split with the band Putrid. This is Hexorcist with Demystifying the Unspeakable. Yeah. 
right? That was Hexorcist from Florida with Demystifying the Unspeakable. And it is that time, once again, for me to announce the final song of the episode. I want to thank everybody for listening. Thanks for telling other people about the podcast. Uh, If you want to tell someone where they can listen, they can listen online at bloodandfireradio.podbean.com or on the free Podbean app. And, of course, the entire catalog of episodes is also available on Spotify, so you can find it and follow it there. Uh, Any sort of feedback, requests, or anything like that, uh, if you want to reach out to me, you can email me at bloodandfireradio at gmail.com. And, of course, please find and like the Facebook page because any sort of updates or poll questions or just anything regarding new episodes or anything about the podcast in general, it's all going to be posted on the Facebook page, so please find it. And like it so you don't miss out. Um, As I said, episode 130, it's going to be a themed episode. Should be perfectly on time here in a couple of weeks. Um, And I'm really looking forward to that. Like I said, kicking around a few ideas, but haven't fully decided on the theme yet. But I'm getting there. Um, All right. The voice, hang on, just barely. Hang on, voice. Don't go out on me yet. All right, we're going to uh, Texas here out of San Antonio. And this is a one-man project that I have uh, spoken very highly of in the past. I've played uh, a couple of songs from this project uh, on some older episodes, but uh, it's been going since 2007, and that band is The Howling Void. And it is very, very heavy, like funeral doom with some great keyboard work in it. Um, Nothing fancy, but like just the overall sounds he chooses to use with his keyboards are great and they add so much to the music um but yeah one of my favorite doom albums of all time is uh, is the womb beyond the world and that one is so dark and so depressing um the albums that followed it kind of had a slightly more uplifting vibe to them they were still slow and heavy and and very much uh, doom metal but um kind of had some beauty to it a little bit more um but he put out an album i want to say it was two years ago called bleak and everlasting and even the cover art and everything on that one just looked a lot more uh dark and the music definitely was it was more uh similar to like his older material and he just signed with funa what is it i'm not even sure how to pronounce it but it's f-u-n-e-r-e (laughs) funaire funnery um no i have no idea how to pronounce that but there it's a doom label that i've heard of um because he he's done a lot of self-released you know stuff on Bandcamp and stuff like that so the fact that he signed to an actual um known label and about to release a new album through them uh is is a cool step for him but uh they already re- put out like a press release for it talking about how how dark it is and heavy it is and um, but he released a single, and it's really good. The songs are long, and they're slow, and they're heavy, so just be ready for that. But the album's called Into Darkness Evermore Profound, and that's coming out on January 6th. Uh, that's going to be his eighth album, which is crazy, because um, I think he only had like four out whenever I first discovered him. But um, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to this. Really liked the last album, and uh, it sounds like he's just kind of taking things even further in that direction this time around, so... Here we go, a nice long heavy one to close it out. So thanks for bearing with me in my croaky voice, and I'll be back uh, with episode 130 here in a couple weeks. 
So here we go. From San Antonio, this is The Howling Void with Deeper, Darker Waters. Cheers. Cheers.